Praise God. So let's turn to the word of God, to the book of Micah, the prophet Micah, chapter 6 and verse 8. Micah, Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. The prophet says, God told him to tell us, he hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Let us say this together. He had showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Praise God. So let us approach this simple topic, and yet I believe profound, with the title of, What Doth the Lord Require of Thee? What Doth the Lord Require of Thee? Let's personalize this and say, What does the Lord require from me? What does the Lord require from me? Amen. The first thing we need to notice is God says, or the prophet says, he has showed thee. Amen. Let us say this together. He has showed thee. In other words, God will never hide anything from us that is good. He will never hide. He has showed thee. Praise God. Can we all acknowledge this and say it's true? God has shown me. He didn't hide this from me. God is not in the business of playing games with us when it comes to what is good. Hallelujah. Nobody can come before him on the day of judgment and say, I, I, I didn't know what was good. We know what is good. We are going to talk about what is good today. There are many mysteries which are not easily accessible. But what is good is not a mystery. Amen. Let me repeat that. There are many mysteries. There are some Christians who just seem to go from one mystery to another mystery. They don't seem to be willing to just stick with that which God has revealed, which is clear, which everybody can understand and do. No, that's boring for them. They get into trouble because they want to go from one mystery to another mystery. No, no, no. We don't need that. We need to focus on that which is good, which God has shown us. Amen. Praise God. If God shows you a mystery, God bless you. Please, don't forget to share with us. But God shows what is good to everyone. What is good is not a mystery. It's not hidden in Jesus' name. It is God's duty to show us what is good. And it is our blessing to follow that good which God has shown us. Praise God. 
He has shown thee, O man, that includes women, what is good. Amen. Because God is good and his mercy endures forever. He will never hide from us what is good. Can we say amen? Can we say blessed be the name of the God who is good? His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. He is good. His mercy endures forever. We should never think that the good was revealed for the first time to Moses on Mount Sinai. Some people will act like goodness began on Mount Sinai. So what happened before that time? What did Abraham do? What about Adam? Adam surely did many good things. What about Abel? Who taught Abel how to be good? Adam and Eve, they were not... Listen, Adam lived to be 930 years. I assure you, if he was an evil person, he wouldn't live that long. 930 years. Surely he did a lot of good. Now I'll tell you one of the good things he did was he taught his children to avoid evil. But one of them called Cain didn't listen. So there was goodness from the beginning, brothers and sisters, because God is good. Amen. In those days, God did not write anything for his people. He used to come and talk with them. God was their Bible. Hallelujah. In heaven, we will not have a Bible. Jesus will be our Bible. Hallelujah. As it, as it was in the beginning, so shall it be in the end. God has never hidden that which is good from his people. Let us always remember that. Even if a person has never heard of a Bible like me, when I was 15 years old, I had no idea there was something called a Bible. Jesus appeared to me. The Bible appeared to me. Jesus is the Bible. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was made flesh. Hallelujah. Who came to Peter, James, and John? Let us say the Bible came to them. Who talked with them? The Bible spoke with them. Who healed them? The Bible healed them. Who raised up Lazarus from the dead? The Bible raised him up from the dead. And the name of the Bible is Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, from the beginning, there was the knowledge of goodness. Abel, Seth, Noah, Job. These were not Jews. So how come they are called righteous? Because goodness has never been hidden from anyone. Hallelujah. Has never been hidden. All of these people knew what was good. And demonstrated the good in their conduct. So the question arises. How did they know what is good? Well simply because the scripture in Micah 6 and verse 8 states. God has shown it to us. Praise God. 
Say with me, God has shown it to us. We are not ignorant of the goodness of God. He has shown it to us. God teaches us how to behave. God teaches us what to say and not to say. We cannot say when we say bad things that God showed me to say this. I cannot do evil and say God showed me to do this. No, I'm lying about God. God only teaches me good things. Every good gift cometh from above. Every good action is inspired by God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for that which is good. Evil will never overwhelm good because the devil can never overwhelm God. The goodness of God will defeat evil. Even in Hollywood movies, you notice that the good always wins. Yeah? Even Hollywood, which doesn't believe in God and they live for their flesh, when they make films, they know that nobody will buy this film. Nobody will pay to watch this film if evil overcomes good. Amen? So there is Superman. There is Batman. Uh, even these guys sometimes do bad things. Yeah? The Dark Knight. And there's an evil streak in them. But in the end, they wake up, isn't it? And suddenly goodness will win. And planet Earth rejoices. Thank God for Superman who came from Krypton or what, what, where did he come from? And then he came to the USA and we're always saved through the USA. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why uh, I think that, that film Superman always has problems because they're trying to play Messiah. So anyhow, leaving aside on a more serious note, God is good. We all love goodness to win because we are made in the image of God. Hallelujah. Balaam or Balaam was not a Jew, but God showed him it was not good to curse Israel. Hmm? God told him it's not good. What did they do to you? You are taking money from Balak for what? These people were slaves for 430 years. Why do you want to curse them? Stop this nonsense. And so he blessed them. He blessed them. Hallelujah. God is good. God will never allow justice to be miscarried. Praise God. God has given every human being a judge or an arbiter of good and bad. It is called conscience. Amen. Everybody point here. We always say my conscience, but it's not necessarily there. <laughs> it's in the, in the spirit. But thank God for conscience. Say thank God for my conscience. Put your hand on your head and say, Lord Jesus, bless my conscience. Refine my conscience. Amen. Revive my conscience in Jesus' name. Do you know what the main crime is of people sitting in prison today? They sin, they sinned against their conscience. Do not sin against your conscience. This conscience is God's way of saying, I love you. And it is God's way of saying, 
this is a sign when you do something which is against my will. This is a sign. Your conscience will trouble you. So thank God for our consciences. And somebody says, I don't feel good about this. You better take them serious. And when you say, I don't feel good, don't do it in Jesus. Live in harmony with your conscience because it is God's way of saying, don't do this or do this. Hallelujah. Praise God. In order to be morally healthy, a person must learn to live in harmony with his or her conscience. The question is, how fit is our conscience before God? How fit is our conscience before God? We need to train our consciences to be spiritually fit in Jesus' name. Praise God. You know, I see many people in this generation, they, they're all rushing off to the gyms and the training studios to, to, to be physically fit. Nothing wrong with that. But I don't see that many people going to church or to God to be morally fit, conscientiously fit. We need to have God in order to have good consciences. The further away we go from God, the more depraved we become and our conscience becomes too weak. You need to stay close to God to have a spiritually strong conscience. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let us turn to the book of Romans, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. To go against the conscience is never good. It leads to destruction. The book of Romans, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. The Apostle Paul says, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which shew the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Praise God. So there you have it. When one wonders, how is it that many human societies seem to obey the laws of God, though they do not have the Bible. Here is the answer. God put a conscience in, in, in their hearts and in their minds. This is the mercy of God. This proves that they are made in the image of God. And God will hold them accountable for how they treat their conscience. Amen. So God wants us to be good. Everyone say good. Amen. We tell children, be good. And we try to bribe them with sweets and candy and chocolate. You behave well, <laughs> you know, because they always are threatening goodness. 
they are always misbehaving. It seems it seems like because we are constantly trying to bribe them and induce them to behave well. You do not tell an adult if you behave well, you will get this or that. No, when you become an adult, it is expected that you behave well, that you do good. People sitting in prisons are there because they didn't seem to understand that once childhood and adolescence was over, they're expected to behave well, to be good. So God wants us to be good. Now, let's come, let's go further in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. God wants us to do justly. Amen. Can we say just? To do justly. What did God say in Micah 6, 8? He had showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly. Amen. To do justly. Let's talk about this. Biblically speaking, to do justly is to make decisions which align with the will of God. Amen. Let us turn to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 37, no, chapter 17 and verse 10. Jeremiah, chapter 17 and verse 10. Jeremiah 17 and verse 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Amen. In order to do justly, one must know the law of the land. Amen. In the same way, in order to do justly in the sight of God, one must know the word of God. Amen. That's why we talk about justice. Yeah. It's to do with the law. While God is merciful... Sinning through ignorance is still sin. It must still be atoned for. Amen. It doesn't help to come before a judge on this earth and say, Your Honor, I did not know that I was uh, violating the law of the land. Now, firstly, most probably the judge will not believe you. <laughs> but even if he does, He's going to, if he lets you off, it's going to be with a very severe warning. You will still pay some penalty. So you cannot plead ignorance. If you live in a country, you should know the law of the country. So when it comes to the law of God, we must know the law of God. We cannot tell God, I didn't know, I, I'm sorry. God will say, yes, I know you did it out of ignorance, but listen, your sin must still be accounted for. It must be atoned for. So let's look at the book of Numbers chapter 15 and verse 28. Numbers 15 and verse 28. The book of Numbers chapter 15 and verse 28 says, And the priest shall make an atonement for the soul that sinneth ignorantly. When he sinneth by ignorance before the Lord to make an atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. So 
So there you have it. There is no escaping the law. Justice implies adherence to the law. Any violation of the law will be dealt with severely on this earth. And you bet in heaven too. Let's talk a bit about the distinction between ethics and morality. People use them interchangeably, but they are not the same. Ethics is about what we believe is right or wrong. In other words, the theory of justice. If I ask you, what do you think about this issue? Is it right or wrong? So when you talk about it, you are engaging in ethics. What you believe about right or wrong. So people can have an, an ethical discussion about guns, about abortion, about the death penalty. And I know there's a lot of it being talked about in the news in relation to what happened in Alabama uh, and whatever that chemical was or whatever new method that they're using to, to, to kill people now. But the point is, whenever you talk about these things, one is engaging in ethics. Ethics is very important. When you read the Bible, you cannot be just unless you firstly think justly. And we say think justly. When a person now begins to implement, begins to do what they believe, then we are talking about morality. So morality is ethics and action. So when I see somebody doing something, I know what kind of ethics they have. It would be strange if I, God forbid, meet somebody who tortures cats. And I say, you know, you, you have a terrible belief. And the guy said, no, no, no. I don't believe in torturing cats. And yet he's torturing cats. Ethics and morality go together. The person who is torturing cats, it's because they believe it's okay to torture animals. Otherwise, something is wrong here. So in order to be just, we need to have the ethics of the Bible in our heads, minds, souls. Amen. Otherwise, we will not know how to act in a manner which is just before God. May God give us both a biblical ethics and a biblical morality. Because he said he has shown thee, O man. Where did he show us in the Bible? What is good? And what the Lord requires, from, of, of, requires of thee. But to do justly. Amen. When Abraham obeyed God, the Bible says God said he's righteous because he first heard God, he believed what God said. So based on his ethics, he was declared just. And then we see the morality of Abraham in that he began to leave his family and house and everything. Do you know that Abraham did not receive all that God promised. But he believed it. So belief is very important. 
God will reward you for what you believe. Though you may never receive what you believe on this earth, like heaven. Heaven will never surprise anyone. Amen. Nobody will enter heaven and say, where have I come? What is this place? Have you noticed people sometimes who in train stops when I would travel? They're sleeping and they wake up and they jump around and say, where, where am I? Which station is this? So everybody has to come and inform them. Nobody will end up like this in heaven. We will know we're in heaven. We will expect like the apostles. Hallelujah. Eyes not seen. Ears not heard. Praise God. So we will inherit what we believe. We will be rewarded for what we believe. To be just in the eyes of God is not only to, to do something which is in accordance with the word. It is to believe in what God said. Let me remind you that Jesus told the Jews. John 8, 23 and 24. Unless you believe that I am, you shall, will die in your sins. Many people are dying and going to hell because they did not believe. That Jesus is the great I am. That he is the only God. To not believe it is sin. It is serious. It is the biggest sin. Because the greatest command is. Hear O Israel. The Lord our God. The Lord is. And Jesus said. Unless you believe that I am. You shall die in your sins. So. What sin. What can deliver us from the sin. That basically cannot believe that Jesus is God. Nothing. You have to believe Jesus is the I am. Otherwise people cannot expect to see heaven. And that is the, the burden of the church. That is the greatest burden of the church. I don't understand churches whose burden is to tell people about the Trinity. That is not the burden of God. That is the burden of, uh, of uh, philosophers. The burden of God is, unless you believe that I am, you shall die in your sins. And that is what we need to take to the world. One way or the other, we have to talk to people. We have to bring them to a place that they should believe Jesus is the only God. Amen. Otherwise, they will die in their sins. So, when we see a person act, we can deduce the ethics guiding that behavior is based on a good ethics, a good belief. The great people of the Bible acted in a holy and just manner because they had knowledge of the word of God. They believed it to be true and they acted accordingly. Hallelujah. And one such person was Ezra. Ezra, of whom the Bible states. Let us turn to Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. And to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Notice Ezra prepared his heart. He believed the word of God. But not only that, he did it. Praise God. What a blessing when we can believe and do. Praise God. 
if we continue in Micah chapter 6 verse 8, it also speaks about loving mercy. Somebody say with me, and to love mercy. What did God show us? What did God teach us? Say with me, to love mercy. To love mercy. Hallelujah. Mercy is not only to have compassion and forgive someone. That could be easy. Mercy can only be mercy if you have been offended. And then you have the power to seek justice. And you say, no, I don't want justice. I will forgive. With no conditions attached. That is mercy. Because remember, we sinned against God. If God were to demand justice, none of us would see salvation. But he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See the mercy of God, how wonderful it is. So people tell, say all the time, I, I forgive you. Yeah, even sometimes when the person hasn't asked for forgiveness. Just to show our moral superiority. I forgive you. Listen. Can you say to somebody, I forgive you, if God forbid they kill somebody in your family that you love deeply? And the law is on your side and you can demand the maximum punishment and, you know, the, the, the strictest demands of the law. And you say, I forgive. I don't want any punishment. That is mercy. Amen. That is biblical mercy. Praise God. Otherwise, we're not really talking about mercy. It's a high standard. Joseph showed mercy to his brothers who were guilty of serious crimes in the sight of God. Listen carefully now. Let me highlight some of the sins that his brothers, crimes, they were guilty of against him. Bullying, one. Jealousy, two. Selling a human being who was their brother, three. Lying to their father, Causing him irre irreparable grief. I just counted five crimes that the brothers of Joseph committed against him. Serious crimes. They left him for dead. And guess what? Note now the mercy of Joseph. In Genesis chapter 45 and verse 5, the Bible says when he stood before his brothers, Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. That is mercy. Hallelujah. That is mercy. Mercy is when you have the ability to harm someone. You have the right to seek justice. And you wave it aside. And you say, because God has shown me mercy, God did not show me to take revenge. I also will show you mercy. Brothers and sisters, I think this is a trait. This is a grace that most of us in the Christian church need to develop.
through Jesus. I don't say this lightly. God takes this seriously. That's why people don't understand us when we write to people and say, forgive me. I love you. This is very important as a Christian. If you know Jesus, you will know this is true and say amen. But people who don't know Jesus, it always saddens me. We are not dealing with people according to human laws. We don't care if you win on Facebook and you win on uh, TikTok. We want to win in heaven. We want to make Jesus happy. Amen. We want to be like Jesus. We don't want to score points with anybody on this earth. Because Jesus is merciful. I will also be merciful. Amen. Even if they don't ask. Even if they don't say sorry. I will say sorry. Because that way. I can preach more powerfully. My conscience will be strong. I will have a deeper conviction of the Christian faith. You know, a person cannot preach what you do not do. What you do not feel. What you do not have as your conviction. A person is only as powerful a witness as what you believe and do. How do you understand Jesus? How does Jesus affect you? Hallelujah. May God help us. This is one of the most difficult Christian graces. But Joseph had it in abundance. May God give us what Joseph had. Did you know that Joseph never even mentioned Potiphar's wife when he was put in prison? A woman who destroyed his life for, for two years. He never mentioned her name. He never accused Potiphar. What a great man. What a unique man. There are few people who walk the face of the earth like Joseph. God bless his memory. There are individuals who seem to never do anything wrong. And hence they're quick to demand justice when they're wrong. You know who are the people who demand justice quickly? The ones who think that they never do anything wrong. They are make be sure of this. They are the first to demand justice. If you look at them the wrong way, they will demand justice. Say, why? What did I do wrong? You looked at me with an evil eye. I know you dislike me. You offended me with the way you look. They are the first to demand justice. Because they think they do no wrong. But the people who know they are sinners. The people who know that they are rich because of the rich forgiveness of God. The richness of God's forgiveness. They are the last to demand justice. I really don't believe in going to court and accusing somebody of something. I don't remember ever doing it because I believe in forgiveness. I really believe in forgiveness. Because Jesus taught me to forgive. I have no pleasure in seeing the law arrests somebody or extracts something 
I want them to know because of Jesus, I forgive you. Don't thank me. Thank Jesus. Find out who Jesus is. Because he makes me do these things. And that is the truth. Praise God. So, Joseph was genuinely an innocent man, when you think about it. He was what you might call a naive boy, happy-go-lucky, you know, in colloquial terms. He never seemed to do anything wrong against anybody. But make no mistake, Joseph was keen to obey the word of God by doing good. There were few people who had a conscience as sensitive to God as Joseph. He didn't have the Holy Ghost, but he always wanted to do the will of God because God had shown him what is good and what the Lord required from him to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Hallelujah. Do you know what he told the wife of Potiphar? Even though there was nobody around, he said, in a country which had no laws, their laws were pagan laws. Horrible laws. In Genesis chapter 39 and verse 9. Genesis 39 and verse 9. He said, there is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept anything from me but thee. Because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Wow. Whew. Amazing. Amen. In a country where people can think there's no God, do whatever you want. Joseph was declaring the God of Canaan is the God of Egypt. Praise God. Do you know how we show people that God is God even where you are? By obeying the laws of that God. Our God. His name is Jesus. Somebody says, but you know, in this country you are free to do this. Say yes. But in the country of Jesus... And I'm in that country. It's called the kingdom of God. Jesus, our God has shown us not to do that. So I don't do it. One guy once told me at my job, the, the laws of Norway are higher than the Bible laws. I said, in your, in your mind, it is. But not in my mind. <laughs> so you can continue. He said, no, it's, uh, it's, it's true. I said, really, which paragraph? Which Can you show it to me? He became quiet. I told him the day your country's laws contravene my faith, I will not hesitate in obeying the law of Jesus. And that's a challenge I give to anybody. And we will arrest us for it, kill us for it. Doesn't matter. We truly believe the law of Jesus is higher than the law of any country. Amen? Seriously. Crazy. So, I'm not saying it that we go and defy everybody. No. But... Once in a while, they will challenge it and then make it clear to them. No, no, no. Your law is not above the law of Jesus. In my life, in my conscience, amen, in my house, the law of Jesus is above every law. Praise God. Jesus is God in my world. Praise God. So, Joseph told Potiphar's wife, although he's in Egypt, he said, I cannot sin against my God. 
Hallelujah. At the same time, he will determine to forgive his brothers, even though he appears to have never done, done anything wrong. That's the beauty of Joseph. He's not quick to seek vengeance. He has no interest in vengeance. And we never read that Joseph accused Potiphar's wife of lying ever. Joseph knew that no one is innocent in the sight of God. We all need the forgiveness of Jesus. That's why we forgive. Somebody asks you, well, why are you forgiving me for such a terrible thing? Because you don't know what Jesus has forgiven me. He forgave me my sins. He should have sent me to hell, but he said, I forgive you. And so I have no hesitation in forgiving. Finally, Micah chapter 6 verse 8 commands us to walk humbly with our God. Somebody say, humbly. What does it mean to be humble? Simply put, it means to understand who we truly are outside of the salvation and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It means to look into the mirror of the Bible to know who we truly are in Adam. To be humble is to know what David knew about his true origin in Psalm 51 verse 5. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. We need an answer. We need a reason why we need to be humble or how we should be humble. It's simple. Just remember how it was when you were the child of Adam before you were saved through repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and receiving the Holy Ghost. Who were we? We were children of perdition. We were the children of Adam, the children of dust, the children of a curse. How can dust boast? Have you heard of people saying, you know, I'm somebody, my father was this and his father was that and his mother was that. Whenever they say that, they're just giving you a long line of sinners. The longer your lineage that you boast in, or I would boast in, the more sins you are accumulating. I'm the son of sinner so-and-so. Who was the son of son of who was the son of sinner so-and-so? Who was in turn the son of sinner so-and-so? That's how we should reckon earthly lineages and genealogies. It's just heaping dust upon dust. Why are you proud of dust? I'm not proud of dust. I want to say I have only one father. His name is Jesus. Is that sufficient? Say with me, we are sons of God. Galatians 4, 6 says, when you receive the Holy Ghost, what did we receive? The Spirit of the Son crying, Abba, Father. Somebody shout, Abba, Father. We stop with one. Say, Who's your father? Jesus. What about his father? He is his own father. Our genealogy stops with Jesus. Amen. What else do you have? Nothing. We, we don't have a grandfather. We don't have a grandfather of salvation. We only have a father of salvation. Have we not one God? Has, have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Malachi 
I don't have a grandfather. My father is Jesus. And that's all I need to know. We boast in Jesus. We boast in the God who has nothing to do with dust, with this world. He said, I'm from above, you're from beneath. This God who is, hallelujah, the word made flesh. This is our heritage. This is our lineage. We are humble. We must be humble because we have nothing to boast of in the flesh. We remember what Jesus delivered us from. Paul said, I have no confidence in the flesh. All the things of this earth he considered to be done. Praise God. So, we need to understand this. May God give us the revelation he gave the Apostle Paul in Romans 7.24. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? So today the world is boasting about death. When they take pictures of themselves and they promote their bodies and faces on social media, this is a cult of death. Beware. Do not be sucked into this vortex, this cult of death, inviting you to be like them. Look at me. What they're saying is, look at this dust. Look at this curse. Look at this death. And then you wonder why they are depressed tomorrow and why some commit suicide. It's a cult of death that they're inviting you into. Take a picture of yourself and now what? Worship this cult of death. Let everybody give you a thumbs up. Subscribe and follow. That's why I call it a cult of death. You are, they are following death. There is punishment for that, my brothers and sisters. Please be aware of this. If we become a part of this world, young people in particular, listen to me. And you like, subscribe and follow this world. You've joined the Jimmy Jones cult of death. No different. You're following a cult leader. Because what are you doing? Worshipping. Giving your time, your attention. Worshipping, admiring, telling how beautiful you are. How wonderful you are. Oh, look at your skin texture. Whatever. Oh, look at those muscles. Look at the six pack. And then you come back the next day again for more. And the next day. And the next day. And then you are following 600 cults and 700 cults. And in the end, you suddenly begin to feel the power of that death working in you. And then that spirit begins to take over your life. Deliver yourself in Jesus' name. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We follow Jesus. We subscribe to the Bible. We click on the Bible. We follow the Bible. Amen. We worship the God of the Bible. Because the Bible says there is only one God. And Him only will we serve. Praise God. Be careful who you are following. There are spirits in social media. Spirits that will rob your time. Spirits that will rob your attention. Spirits that will rob your peace. And before long, 
you will be they will leave you um in the throes in the grip of a spirit of death god have mercy but we want to be humble in jesus name humility requires not only knowing about our true miserable origin but also knowing that the God we serve is the embodiment of humility. Somebody say Jesus is humility. Philippians 2 verse 7 says, But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. This is the God we serve. If you want to follow him, you must follow his humility. Amen. You know, one of the first things you should know when you are following a church leader and you begin to see that they are, they clearly promote their appearance, their name, they, they build this little cult around themselves. Be sure that it's not from God. Be sure it's not from God. When they followed Jesus, you know what Jesus called them? He said, why do you follow me? <laughs> Imagine a church leader today telling you, why, why do you follow me? What do you want? Where do you live? I'm afraid if you ask some big leaders today, they'll tell you I live in big mansion, gated community. I live in Beverly Hills or Bel Air or whatever. I live in Kensington, London, Chelsea. No, no, no. Jesus didn't live there. Jesus said the foxes have holes. <laughs> the birds have nests. But I, I don't even have a place to sleep. Why would you follow me? You see, what he's saying is, if you follow him, there is nothing to gain financially or physically. He had nothing. He's saying, follow him if you love the truth, if you love salvation. Jesus made sure that nobody followed him for money. This guy, Judas, made a big mistake. He was following the wrong leader. There were many other kinds of leaders he should have followed. When I saw Jesus, I can assure you, I didn't know much about him, but I knew one thing. His clothes were very simple. Just one long brown robe and very simple sandals. It seemed that I was even richer than him, although I was poor, poor back then. So although Jesus is the God of the universe, everything belongs to him, <laughs> all riches. Yet he dresses up very humbly. He is humble because 99% of people in the world are poor today. They have nothing. Jesus is not trying to identify with the elites and the rich. He identifies with the majority who are poor. The majority who are nothing. He dresses in a way that he doesn't offend the majority. It's the elites who have a problem with Jesus. It's the rich who have a problem with Jesus. So the Bible says to walk humbly. Say with me humbly. I will walk humbly with my God. It's impossible to know Jesus and to be proud. The two don't mix. Hallelujah. When we go on, you see, only God is good. Let me now show you how Jesus fulfills all of this. Goodness is Jesus himself. Can we say that? Goodness is Jesus. 
Because there is no goodness out, outside of God, and God is Jesus. So goodness is Jesus. Amen. Only God is good, Jesus told the rich young man. Jesus was challenging the young man to seek goodness. And then he would find out that Jesus is God. That's what the meaning of that story is. The guy is talking about good master. What do you, what do you know about good? Jesus saying, if you knew what good is, you would worship Jesus as God. You wouldn't come and just look at him as a good man. He's a source of goodness. He is goodness personified. He is goodness come in a body. Hallelujah. Next. So the, we have to also understand. God has shown us that he is one in the person of Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. To believe this is the greatest good a person can do. Do you know that? The best thing you can do for yourself is believe God is one. Remember what we talked about ethics is believing, it's your belief. And then morality is what you do. So the greatest good is to believe that God is one. And that Jesus is God. To believe this is to do good. It is to believe good. It is to be good. Jesus is good. No matter how much evil we encounter, whether in our lives or in the world, we cannot lose faith in goodness because Jesus is good. Amen. Look to Jesus in an evil world. The Bible says he has shown thee what is good. What did God show us about goodness? That goodness is Jesus. This is what I know. That's why I can never, never give up hope. You should never be pessimistic. Never. Because we know Jesus is God. He is good. And his goodness will win in the end. It will win in the end. That is why we cannot, evil, sadness cannot hold us for long. Because Jesus' goodness will come. And then the evil has to go. Let me tell you, Jesus is also just. Say with me, Jesus is just. Watch, watch all the actions of Jesus in the Bible. And even in our lives. Jesus never condoned injustice. Do you know that? He rebuked the Pharisees and Sadducees, the most religious people. Why? Because he is just. He corrected and rebuked his own apostles. Why? Because he is just. He never flattered Herod or Pilate. He didn't flatter them. Why? He called Herod fox. Why? Because he is just. And he even praised the Samaritan. Why? Why will Jesus praise the enemy of the Jews? When he said that salvation is of the Jews. Say with me, because Jesus is just. A just person will tell the truth. He, was, he, he or she will not be biased. Will not be prejudiced. Will never accept discrimination or racism. In Jesus' name, may we be just. Hallelujah. You know... I always tell people, practice very early how to be just. 
at the university, people know me. They say, if you want a real honest opinion, go to, go to Paul. <laughs> He's not afraid of speaking his mind. From a young age, I learned that I have to be free. And for me, freedom is to speak my mind. It's very important for me. I cannot tell you something I don't want to tell you. It's better I keep quiet. But sooner or later, I need to be free. Amen. Perhaps that's why I used to love to sing that song, I Want to Break Free by <laughs> Queen and Freddie Mercury before I came to the Lord. It resonated with my life philosophy. I want to break free. I want to be free. I want to be myself. I need to speak the truth to you. Everybody needs to hear the truth in the right way, at the right time, with wisdom, with love. But why should we lie to people? I don't want you to be with me because of a lie. It's good you know how I think. But I will do it with love, with gentleness. So Jesus would tell the truth to people. Woe unto you, Pharisees and scribes. Oh my goodness. You know that they're not coming near Jesus. Nathaniel, a man in whom there is no guide. John the Baptist, what did you go out into the desert for to see? Of men born of women, there is none greater than... See the justice of Jesus. He never lied about anybody. He told people the truth. This is who John is. This is who Nathaniel is. This is who the Pharisees. God is good. He doesn't lie about people. He's the judge of all the earth. Amen. You know, rarely are people only bad or only good. It's a mixture. If you sit here and tell me, me Brother Paul, you know, you're so wonderful and everything about it is good. I'm going to be very skeptical about you. I'm going to always look at you with some suspicion. <laughs> because it's not true. There's always a side of everybody that is not good. I'm not asking you to share it with me, but uh, we have to be honest. And I should bless you for telling the truth. I don't know how we can develop this culture. It's called critical thinking. It is called showing love in the right way. Look at Jesus with his disciples. Oh, ye of little faith, do not call unclean what I have clean, cleansed. That's Jesus. Take it or leave. Jesus is just. If you want justice, if you don't get justice on this earth, go to Jesus. You will get justice. He will tell you the truth. There was no fear of perversion of justice with Jesus. No one needs to fear this judge of all the earth if you follow his justice. In John 5.27, Jesus said about himself, and had given him authority to execute judgment also. Because he's a judge, son of man. Jesus executes judgment. He has a right. He has a right to judge us. He has a right to correct us, to, to tell us the truth. And finally, if one loves mercy, you love mercy, you cannot ignore Jesus. Jesus is God's mercy revealed in flesh. If ever we need proof, there is a God who loves and forgives us our sins. Look to Jesus. Remember that mercy means one has been offended. And does not demand justice but forgiveness. We offended and sinned against God. Romans 6 and verse 23 says. For the wages of sin is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Say with me, the wages of sin. Do you know that sin has a day when it gets its salary? Just as you work a whole month and you get your salary, at least in Norway. In the same way, everybody who is sinning, you get a wage, a salary, reward. And that reward is death. But the gift of God. The gift. It's not the reward of God. It's not the wages of God. It is the gift of God, meaning eternal life salvation is not something you can please God for, work for. It is a gift. But sin has wages. Wages means you deserve it. You did it. That's why we tell people you have to repent. Because you did something. You were uh, Payday is coming. Payday. What do you mean payday? The only payday I know is when I get my salary. No, there's another job that you have. <laughs> a parallel job. You know that all humans have another job? It's called sinning. Uh, you may have a part-time job, but we're all full-time sinners. Our thoughts, our mouths, our hands, our feet. We are full-time sinners until Jesus comes and gives us salvation and buries the old man in baptism in Jesus' name. The wages of sin, Paul said, the wages. I don't want to pay day for sin. It will be death. Imagine getting a message. I mean, it's, our salaries are given digitally, isn't it? Imagine on the 15th of the month or 11th or 1st or whatever, you get a message, you go in to check your, your salary slip and it says death. Imagine, God <laughs> have mercy. Sorry to dramatize this, but we need to understand what sin is. Why we tell people repent. You know, deliver yourself from the wrath of God. Who's going to pay me? Jesus is going to pay you. That's why everybody has to be saved. Imagine getting an envelope and you open it and it says death. You have earned death. That is what the Bible is saying. Very shocking. That's why we, we need people to shout, men and brethren, what shall we do? I've just looked at my salary slip, my wage slip. It says death. How can I avoid this death? Run to Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins. Let him wash you with, your, with his blood. Let him forgive you. Be baptized in the waters in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. Do you know the word remission means it comes from the, the language of accounting and the language of numbers. and stuff. It means you make it zero. Amen. That means you owe something and now you need to remove it. Pay the debt. Be baptized in Jesus name for the remission of sins. Who wants to leave this world with a big wage slip that says death, not me. Make sure it is remitted in Jesus. Name. It should be written. It's like they take a stamp, remitted. 
That means taken care of, paid for. The debt is finished. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. We don't thank him enough for the remission of sins. You know, countries on this earth do not leave you until you pay them what you owe. Isn't it? Until they say the debt is remitted. Paid off. Do you think the kingdom of heaven is going to leave us if we don't pay what we owe? God have mercy. So, if someone were to cry to the Lord Jesus today, Lord, have mercy on me. He would answer, I already have had mercy on you by revealing myself in flesh, by dying on the cross for you and rising up the third. That's the mercy of God. It's called the gospel. Praise Jesus. And that's why Paul says in Hebrews 7.25, Wherefore, he is also able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Mm, praise God. We have a high priest. He is ever living. He is living forever. For what? To make intercession for us. Once one understands and accepts this. That is the goodness and the mercy and the humility of Jesus. It will push us into the waters of baptism in Jesus name for the remissions. Why were we baptized in Jesus name? It was not because of indoctrination or fear. That pushed us to be baptized. But the goodness, say with me, the goodness of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus, say with me, the justice of Jesus and the humility of Jesus. That for me pushed me to be baptized. I feel sorry for people who say, I want to be baptized because I'm so afraid of hell. Is that the only reason? I pray the goodness of God, the justice of God, the humility of God. All of these factors will push you into the waters of baptism. Like the Ethiopian eunuch said, when he heard about Philip speaking about Jesus, his heart began to love Jesus. He said, listen, listen, here is water. What is hindering me from being baptized? In other words, listen, I don't need anything more. He is a rich man. He is royal. He has everything. Nobody will force him. No fear of anything. Out of love, the goodness of God compels me to be baptized in his name. The goodness of God is the reason we are here today. The goodness of God. The goodness of God. A genuinely humble, humble person is one who accepts that God is one. That he is manifested in Jesus Christ. Repents, is baptized in Jesus' name. And lives his or her life in doing the will of Jesus. Indeed, God has shown us what is good. Let us conclude with Micah 6 verse 8. He hath shown thee. O oh man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. May Jesus give you grace to follow this goodness of God, to love mercy, to love his justice, to love his humility. This is the goodness of Jesus. The Christian faith to me is one I chose. All the people who are with Jesus, they chose to be with Jesus. His goodness compelled them. I'm telling you from my heart today, I only follow Jesus for one reason. I love him. There's nothing better than Jesus. 
I know of nothing better than Jesus. I am free not to pray, not to go to church. I'm free. But I love to do this. It's my blessing. His goodness compels me. His mercy compels me. His humility compels me. Ah, praise God. The privilege of will, my will. The privilege of freedom is to serve Jesus. Is to serve Jesus. May God bless you in Jesus' name. Let us pray in conclusion. Lord, I thank you for this message. You have shown us what is good. You have shown us what the Lord requires from us. To do justly. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with our God. Today we, we commit ourselves to Micah chapter 6 verse 8. It is in our heart, Lord, to, to obey these words. To be examples of this command. Grant us grace today. Bless us to be obedient to these words. Jesus, to enter into this fellowship with you, of knowing the meaning of these words. They're not just empty words. These are your own characteristics, your own attributes. We praise you, Lord. We bless you with all our hearts and minds and souls again. We thank you for all the weeks and months and years that you've given us grace to come together and serve you, to preach about you. We pray, Lord, that you never let us run out of messages for you, each message greater than the last, because who can really do justice to your greatness, to your goodness, to your majesty? You are good. Your mercy endures forever. You are the best. And we love you, Jesus, with all our hearts, minds, and souls. You are the best thing that ever happened to us or can ever happen to us. You are Jesus. You're personally ours. And we bless you. We love you. We thank you. We bless you. We adore you. All of this we pray in Jesus' name. The church says amen. Amen. God bless each and every one of you abundantly.